really happy to have you today, Johan. Thank you. Is it Johan Brand? Do I, do I pronounce it correctly? You know, it depends on uh, where you're native from. Yeah. I don't think people in America should call me Johan Brand. No. They, they, <laughs> okay. can, they can say it their own way, but yeah, okay. Johan Brand. But yeah. for someone from Iceland living in Scandinavia, Yeah, you should Johan say the Icelandic way. I yeah. love that. Yeah, Brand. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you're from Italy, you call me Giovanni. Uh, Giovanni. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, well, very happy that you wanted to talk to us. So, uh, for those who don't know who you are, so what... <laughs> Tell tell people what are you what are you known for? Yeah, what am I known for? I mean, I'm known for being the co-founder and the CEO of Kahoot mm-hmm. for, for its uh, formative years. Yeah, um, and that's what I'm super proud of. Um, yeah, so as an entrepreneur, I think that's what I'm. Yeah, what people know me from, and they probably don't know I've done other successful companies as well. But you know, it's that's the one that's that people are known for. Uh, yeah, yeah, and for someone living in Scandinavia, Kahoot. Is at least uh, one of the hottest uh, te- tech companies uh, yeah, uh, going on today, and they they receive a lot of media attention and yeah. uh, what they do and how successful they are. Someone else has to talk about that, but yeah. it's at least very known. Uh, and I, I think yeah. the purpose of it, the company, was very very admirable. So, yeah. so nice to say. Johan, tell us a little bit about uh, your life. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Oslo, Norway, uh, literally... Where we are now. Where we are now. Yeah, exactly. uh, but not this part of town. No. I am full of stigma growing up on the west side of Oslo. West so, of side, course, yeah. you know, born as an asshole because you're born the wrong side of town to be yeah. able to have any moral... Uh, I'm saying this because it's actually one of the things I hated about growing up here. Okay. That by the fact of where I lived, I was given all these... Um, you, you just... People project onto you things, just like people on the east side were saying, you know, getting stigma, trying to say, yeah. oh, you're where we're getting in as well. So, yes, yeah, yeah. so I grew up on the, as west as you can get it, a yeah. big day in Norway. But I grew up, uh, an important part for me is I grew up on an old farm yeah. um, at Big Day. Um, and a big, a big property where I spent most of my time mm-hmm. digging in the ground, yeah. living in the seaside, spending most of my time at some point doing... Did you, did you use silver spoons or was it? Yeah, was it so I used silver spoons <laughs> and digging for old family treasures. Uh, okay, no, we actually had a plot yeah. of land. We had uh, potatoes and yeah. uh, we cultivated yeah. and, and yeah. our own land, actually. Um, yeah. Not because we had to. Of course, oh. we were fortunate. So we did it because um, and we were not rich on money, but we were rich on land. Yeah, I see. It's kind of classical. This is why I think it's so funny. Yeah. Kind of what a farmer would say in Norway, mm. I'm not rich on money, but I'm rich on land. I, see, I yeah. was. It just happened to be the wrong side of the family. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the other part for me that's, yeah. of course, formed me a lot is yeah. that I grew up in the what they call fjärda. Mm-hmm. So I grew up just, you know, uh, seaside, yeah. uh, spending so much of my formative years digging in the ground and in the rocks and in the, you know, first few meters of the water. So close to water. I remember when we in when the we, water in the water when <laughs> we talked, all talked the time. some some months ago. Then you were on a big sail trip, so yes. I was kind of envious. Yeah, it sounded really good. So yeah. where were you on the sea trip when we talked last time? I was sailing the coast of southern Norway. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to small all the small islands mm-hmm. we have. Uh, took my family. I see. Yeah. So that's an interest and hobby which you've uh, continued. It's my with. work and my hobby, and yeah, yeah it's yeah. where I it's where I charge and where I explore and where I um, yeah. form my my own life and my family. Great. So uh, let's go a little bit and talk about uh, um, your years before you you um, started Kahoot. So so 
Um, tell us a little bit about your journey in choosing education and, and profession. How, how did that develop? Yeah, uh, I mean, what I've learned in a, in, a, in a more adult state is I'm extremely intuitive mm-hmm. and I make choices uh, from some kind of internal compass. Yeah. Uh, I think the type of person I am, um, I'm very clear on what's not possible and what do I want to do. Mm-hmm. And the stuff in between, yeah. I don't compromise. Uh-huh. As my old boss said, I'm always the extremist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, your first few few years of school, you don't really have a choice. You go to the school you go to. Yeah. Are you um, talking then about uh, elementary? Yeah, elementary, the, the first yeah. six mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Um, you follow the uh, old uh, old school system. Of, yeah. And it's also, oh, there was that you go to that school. That's the mm-hmm. one you can walk to. That's the only school available. Uh, so you go to that school. But I was lucky that I had a teacher who understood who I was. Yeah. Um, so I could be... Were you a different child? Were you well? I think because of the way uh, I was seen in the school, I I wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember being told that I only did the things I liked and so on. But I ended up, you know, I was I didn't have a learning difficulty in the way you would describe it. When once I was told later you had dyslexia, you have a learning difficulty. I was like, no, but but so then I didn't have a learning difficulty. But I was I was restless, yeah. and my teacher allowed me to be restless uh, and. I performed well somewhere, so it was okay, and I didn't know we were there, but it was often subscribed to laziness, or you have to write more pretty. And mm. So my school was, I, I do remember going, that of course I had, I had um, resistance at school, mm-hmm. uh, a certain resistance that was built up onto me, and I chose at the age of, what would it be, 11, 11 12, to actually go to boarding school in, in the UK for a semester, for the, the half. The well, that's, a, that's quite unusual. So going quite from un- the farm and boarding school. Uh, yeah, a farm. <laughs> you know, my, our property, yeah. Uh, yeah. an old farm where we, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah going from this, 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 this life where, you yeah. know, that cultivate between sailing, being an ocean, yeah. this beautiful property and, and, the, and, uh, and school uh, was pretty much my life, right? Um, uh, and also it's important to say, most Norwegians have cabins and all the other mm. stuff. We didn't as a ha- house. We had this property uh-huh. and we had a boat. We didn't go abroad, pretty uh-huh. much. My family said, you know, we have this. Uh-huh. Uh, so my life was very kind of in that way. Um, so where did I, boarding school come up? Where... Yeah, no, so from a family, my, I'm, I'm, uh, I, my dad is half English, my grandma is English. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, in my family, it's always been an option. If you wanted to, you could go to boarding school. Uh, some people choose it later and so mm-hmm. on. And not everyone has done it. But I, I obviously, with this kind of something going inside of me, I, I, like, um, I, was quite, I think it's quite brave as a 11 and a half year old, you know, going in fifth grade saying, I want to go to boarding school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we figured out. In England. In England. Yeah. And um, we figured out it was best. For, I mean, I have to say my sister had already done it before me. So for a whole year. Yeah. So I knew, you know, it was not like it was a strange thing, but it's still like... It's not uh, like you saw a movie and it's like... No, yeah, no, no. no. Uh, so it's an option presented, but nobody said anything. But I, I came to the conclusion myself. Yeah. I'd like to do it. We figured out it was best. I did it for like half a year. Mm-hmm. Just to try it out first. Yeah. yeah, you do the rest of the kind of... the master. And one important thing is I struggled to learn English and mm-hmm. I'm half English. Yeah. Uh, so I think also inside of me, I kind of probably started realizing I needed it. Mm-hmm. I needed to break away and there was a lot of stuff and I knew yeah. I was going to go. So, so I, and the point I'm saying Your parents is, weren't tired of you. It was like, you want to no. go to boarding school you want? Like, no. Not at all. No. But what it's I'm good. like post-rationalizing is how kind of already then I was aware of myself mm-hmm. and making choices yeah. and, and understanding what I needed. Yeah. Um, because I can remember quite clearly, it was something I re- kind of somehow realized I needed it. You re- reflected a little bit around that you might have different needs than others. Yeah, and yeah. I, I remember in class, kind of maybe sometimes being frustrated why things were yeah. going slowly or mm-hmm. where I was struggling. So I kind of I never felt 
st- stupid or anything, but I, yeah. I I obviously was reflecting over something yeah. and I chose that. And I wasn't scared of that in a sense, but I was over there super scared of being left by myself. I see. Um, but I would say that was, a, I think, an important kind of part of the education thing has formed me later on. Yeah. And I came there not being able to even spell English oh. on my book, oh. not really being able to speak English. Mm-hmm. and also choosing to go into the environment you don't even know the language i thought fuck i'm brave <laughs> thinking back on it yeah. um but obviously this intuitive drive mm-hmm. um so when you're just talking about me growing up and uh, i've taken that into my when i then came back and went to middle school mm-hmm. i um of course i came back with super advantage yeah. i spoke english because yeah. actually six months at that time you come back and you speak quite good english mm-hmm. I could write English. All of a sudden, I had this superpower I came back with, um, which was quite big for me going into middle school because then, of, of course, your, your kind of learning difficulties get bigger. Mm-hmm. But I had places I really performed. Um, and during those schools this year, I chose to respond to things at school not the way they expected to. I would draw mm-hmm. something on a computer. Yeah. And that time, in early 90s, computers were hard to come by, no. particularly Macs. But I was lucky. There was My dad had some from work at home. Yeah. Uh, and I responded by drawing, and my teacher thought, this is interesting, we can let it happen. Yeah. Wow, so you uh, had a very open-minded teacher. I had an open-minded teacher, and yeah. probably quite good at negotiating and telling them why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Quite good at telling them why I should respond this way, mm-hmm. why this is smart. Um, yeah, so that was also my middle school as well. I was like super performing in some math stuff, same time massively struggling on some writing stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's the same juxtaposition of a middle mm-hmm. school of performance and, and really feeling like I was struggling. Yeah. Um, but I, I was always focused yeah. on what I was good at and I'm feeling the struggling. The logical was. part, math math and other you performed for well and the verbal task. Uh, yeah, the writing yeah. tasks. Mm. It was pretty much writing. Yeah. Uh, would would be, or, or grammar, grammar and like German or stuff yeah. like that. I would completely, you know, German, yeah. grammar in, in, yeah. in, 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 I would completely default on and I was just told you were lazy. Yeah. Uh, and so on it went on. And then you go to, uh, it's interesting often how, how people m- miscomprehend dyslexia. You, you can be very, uh, have a very high ability, but, but then some tasks uh, are less than others, but other tasks can be very high. Exactly, and all this comes a lot to what we pull into it later, but we, the way we use our language is a big part of this. We mm-hmm. call it a learning difficulty. Yeah. Dyslexia is not a learning difficulty. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use the term as well, it is, it's not a learning difficulty. Most dyslexic people learn very well. Mm-hmm. They have an issue with certain parts of learning, and actually it's not just learning, it's the expression. Mm. It's the way they're decoding and, um, and recoding stuff, which is a problem. Mm. So it's, a, it's, a, it's more of an operational brain problem. And, not, and it's actually not a problem, it's just that that's not your... I call reading and writing two-dimensional, mm-hmm. and where uh, dyslexic people do really well is multidimensional expressions. Um, so it's just be cool. School is two-dimensional. Mm. It is sit, read. You know, everything happens in this format. And actually, yeah. where where I was strong, and that's, that's why I responded with computers and expressiveness. That's not part of school. Mm. Um, and that's why for me, it's like you can't call it a learning difficulty. I have a two-dimensional decoding and recoding. Yeah. This is called it um, challenge. Mm. And I would say others are actually challenged in the multidimensional decoding and recoding. Um, so it's not, that's why I hate the way we label stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens when something is not like the majority. Mm-hmm. It's often more simpler to, to put things in a binary explanation. Yeah, uh, if the majority formal, is this yeah. way and you're not that way, yeah. you obviously must have a difficulty. Mm. You know, you have a difficulty running fast. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, so, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, no, well, obviously, I have very short legs. And I have a difficulty, just that by nature, I'm going to run slower, slower than you. Um, but it, I, I just mm. think it's super interesting because that's part of our school system. We call it a difficulty. But mm. where I was excelling, of course, you know, that's an advantage and so on. But we also have a school system in Norway mm-hmm. where you're not supposed to cater for, for ability. Mm-hmm. But that's... Uh, that's wrong, that's elitist, because mm-hmm. that's the way we look at it, which is also really funny, because it's not what you're doing, you're trying to actually get the best out of someone. Yeah. And where uh, someone like me is weak, call it attendance, because I need to be on-off, yeah. uh, you have to conform um, to this other way, you have to mm-hmm. always be there, because we have, so have, these, we have these ideals, mm. and they're actually normally left and right side of politics. Yeah. Um, so I also grown up with this in Norway, where you have the left side telling you that, no, we're not, not going to cater for your abilities. Yeah which is the most important thing for people with learning difficulties. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to come to school every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's the two worst things you could do, and that's the political spectrum. Mm. Um, and why I'm saying that is I intuitively somehow found yeah. this when going to school. Yeah. And I tried to kind of break free from it. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky that I came from where I came from and had the name I had, because yeah. that type of behavior is not seen as a, as a, as a problem all the time. Mm-hmm. But if I'd gone on the wrong side of town, I probably would have found more acceptance with those who are not so fond of school mm-hmm. you know who would cater for it in a more um, yeah. less um, good path for life type of stuff um, look for learning in a different setting yeah it was to be honestly like i i think you can look at kids become criminals because criminal giving them the reflection the acceptance mm-hmm. the mastery they need uh and that's a problem on a certain side of school where you know mm. we are less open to see this mm. but on my side it's like well you're from good family so obviously you know uh, and i think that is what i get uh, coming yeah. from the, the, the that side of I see. Society. Well, so that's my analysis. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's very interesting that you say. And I understand, uh, I, I get a, a deeper understanding of, of, of how your journey has been on, until you found it, uh, Kahoot. Yeah, and because I was Kahoot say, um, is on the educational side. And, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so, it is. So uh, I, I can see this. It's mastery. A lot of Kahoot is about mastery, actually, yeah. being seen. Mm-hmm. So I was just a lot of things that happened. I did the kind of repeated myself when I got to. Uh, high school one year I did excellent mm-hmm. excellent grades I got into the hardest school I was actually made a choice if I don't get into this school I'm not going to go to school so I had a, had a very clear path and I was saying to my family if I don't get into this one school that had a lot of arts and stuff mm-hmm. in it and it still was the most difficult one I said I'm not going to high school I can't see myself I can't see myself uh, uh, working inside these other schools mm-hmm. they're very conformative they're very everyone is similar and it's very kind of finance driven or very kind of Political driven. Yeah, or, exactly. Mm. Like like this. So yeah. I found this. I saw you were afraid to say it. So no, I but I was actually thinking more like they were kind of more um, called cultural driven. The more, mm. the, but they all had these kind yeah. of roles that you are. And this yeah. was this one school that was artistic, where I felt like you could be many things. Yeah. They had drawing. They had breathing. They had ballet, yeah. ballet and you also had the best math talents in Norway there. Yeah. So I chose more on the expression side, uh, how, how, what, what the individual need and how, how they might express yeah, themselves. Yeah, that's how I reflected on it. I felt mm-hmm. like you could be more yourself and you could be more multidimensional. Mm-hmm. And, but after one year there, I still decided to go and be a foreign exchange student, student for exactly the same reasons when I left. I don't want to challenge myself to get out of the whole thing, yeah. thinking that should I continue going to school, this, this is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and over in the US, I can reinvent myself. I could be myself free from all the, all the, all the things of being a West side Oslo kid mm. with all the stuff going on I wanted to redefine myself I wanted to see who I am and everything else is gone yeah. so I did the same thing and over there I did discover a different person uh, I was still true to myself but I could actually do a lot of other stuff much more multi-dimensional stuff I got really into 
animation and and I actually I passed all classes so I didn't have to actually do you know I could skip a lot of high school stuff mm -hmm. straight away passed a lot of things so I knew of course my brain works uh, and I could challenge myself in the American school system have more freedom mm -hmm. fun enough um, and then I came back to Norway having gone to you know one of the most violent uh, deprived places in America because I asked for the opposite of what I had in Norway so I was sent to the desert I was sent to a poor area you know it was, it was the opposite and I, I learned so much and then I came back to Norway well, why do you think that you asked for that uh, was that was it a rebellious thought of feelings because you you grew up on the west side or yeah i think yeah. i always is kind of found it really funny like how homogeneous everything is yet i didn't yeah. fit in mm -hmm. right so i felt like i it's i am put into homogeneous box yet i don't feel i'm part of this yeah. i was and you like, felt that for for, for many yeah. years it continued after the uh, after your youth and and, and yeah. yeah, and also like creativity measured in Norway is if you if you're good at aesthetical stuff, good at drawing or mm. this other stuff. My creativity was more my ideas and my thoughts and and my abstract thinking, and it was reflected. That I could do uh, I could write the certain types. I would write short form creative writing. I wouldn't do the analytical pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, and my teacher really encouraged it because she thought it was you know she was really encouraging me saying like this is actually you're, you're bloody good mm -hmm. I mean your writing is awful uh, but you're writing for a sixer even though mm -hmm. you're you know best grade even though your your spelling is not for best grade mm -hmm. um, and she's the one actually at that time also figured out I was dyslexia mm -hmm. she's the one was like you know we need to test you yeah. because I mean I read very quickly so that's not the problem, but it was the way I'm decoding stuff and the way things come verbally into my brain and out again. So I, my decoding problem is taking verbal sounds and turning it into paper. Mm -hmm. And actually the way you're thinking sounds is verbal. Mm. So that's why it's problem putting in there or going from paper back out there. So I have like a lobotomy where there's a disconnection. Yeah. Um, and that's what they figured out at 16. And then I was like, oh, that explains a lot. Mm -hmm. And you get some advantages. I can use computers and things. That, of course, were more natural to me, because yeah. um, handwriting is a problem, and I can be more creative on the computer. Mm -hmm. But I think those things are super important because I went to the US. I really that's why I chose animation and yeah. design and 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 a lot mm -hmm. of shit like that. And I'm self-taught mm -hmm. in tech, um, and that those are super important for me when I come back to Norway. And I actually had a high, high school degree. I could go to college in the US, mm -hmm. but I still come back and I did two more years of Norway. Yeah. We started, I still went to second year, and I finished Norwegian school because there was something about Norwegian school which I recognized I was missing in the US. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel complete. So obviously I have some internal understanding of what I wanted. Yeah. And all of these things are super important because this is what I took uh, into choosing to, you know, I chose Bay. I went to business school mm -hmm. because <laughs> the argument my family, they were like, if you can't choose, it's always smart to do economy. And I was like, yep. Yeah. So I started. Yeah. And I left after one semester uh, having basically a breakdown. Yeah. I couldn't hack it. Mm -hmm. I could not get, I could not. It's not that it was difficult to understand what was going on, but I just could not. The setting of sitting in this room with 250 kids who were more or less not motivated. Yeah. And a teacher down there with all the source and sitting back there and being part of that learning set saying it just did not work for me. Yeah. So I ended up in bed for about two, two weeks completely like broken. Uh, and then I said to my dad, I will learn finance, economy, all that stuff by starting my own business. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I did that and I applied to art school, which I recognized as the most free education. And I had this and idea in my head, mm. I, I can be creative without having to necessarily mm -hmm. being able to regular drawing and yeah. these other things. 
So so these two weeks when you were a little bit down after the after the uh, more than a little bit uh, <laughs> meltdown from BE, do you often when when people turn uh, get get a breakdown or they 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 reflect a lot and they 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 feel down, they often reach epiphany or opening yeah, or like never waste a good crisis. Yeah. Mm. I keep saying to pre- pre- friends now, we keep on hit, hitting the wall and breaking yeah. down, right? Yeah. Uh, writing down what are your frustrations. I mean, yeah. I did it earlier today with a colleague. Like, write down your frustrations. Yeah. What are the things, you know, you, the conditions, your yeah. context, yeah. your internal monologue. Um, did you think you saw the path? Uh, like, after that semester, you realized, okay, the formula to case, you're not going to take, you'd be an economist. This is not going to fit for you. You haven't changed. It's still the yeah. same, Johan. I have to take a different path. It was really yeah. easy for me. It was like, it's, it was like, I was like, it's not that it's, I mean, I, and I actually hate, hate exams because mm-hmm. it kind of plays my problem with putting things on a paper and this kind of regurgitating there. Mm-hmm. I, I get, you know, all my verbal exams, I always got best grade. Mm-hmm. But on the one, on the other ones, I always, there's a level of how, how, how much of the writing is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's biology or if it's German or whatever it is, it's, it's always my ability to, de, to recode, to put it that way, out. Um, so... One of my assessment there was like, no, this is not my way. Mm-hmm. And at the same time I was failing there, I helped Panasonic enter the Norwegian market in terms of, or, 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 or Telenor and Panasonic to get uh, email working on their phones. Like, and parallel. So obviously I realized in my head, I'm not stupid. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was doing all this stuff on the yeah. side. I was working on a, on a Norwegian new mobile phone. I was doing interesting stuff, but I'm struggling to kind of, get macroeconomic uh, material into my head and down on some exam paper set up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my realization. I was lying there completely. Yeah. The, the deflation was this idea of being pushed so hard into something that you couldn't do. Mm-hmm. So your body in the end just, yeah. it, it flattens out. Yeah. And then the outcome was like, that's why I was like, no, I need to go visual. Yeah. I, need to, I need to educate my visual communication language. I need to be, I need to be expressive. Mm. Um, because that's what I had done at art. Uh, uh, at my videogona at uh, high school, mm-hmm. I had made movies. I had made maps. You mm-hmm. know, my history teacher allowed me to draw. You know, all Viking movements. I made. I made. I made. You know, self-initiated movies where I was commenting on Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was doing schoolwork that wasn't issued by school, but it was recognized. Yeah. I was writing. I was writing opinion pieces in in you know in, in humorous ways. So. It was just a self-assessment, like, mm. where have I performed? What makes, what works for me? Oh, no, it's an artistic expression. Do you think that, it's uh, uh, a terrible psychological question, yeah, yeah, yeah. but do you think that, that you had also a need? I, I think most people, especially at this age, like all of us, have, have a need for recognition. And, Massively. And so, so, and of course, uh, that applies to us, us well, older in years, and we're more, and, uh, uh, we have a tendency to be more affected by it when we're younger. Yeah, do you yeah. think you had self-doubt as well, even though you knew that you could do this, that the, yeah. the self-doubt was there and Massively. and then you wanted to yeah. prove something in the end that I'm good enough? Do you think that was a drive? I mean, that's why I ended up flat in bed because mm. I wasn't able to hack it. I wasn't, yeah. a, you know, I was meeting a resistance and this time around, yeah. the resistance was so great mm-hmm. And I had never in my life actually failed completely. I always had somewhere else I could point at what was really good. Yeah. So here, if there was nothing really good. I didn't turn up for exam. Yeah. You know, I, I chose, I quit. Mm-hmm. 
I don't quit. I, like one of the things I recognize in me, I have grit. I do not quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I go. Uh, but the problem here, it wasn't possible. Oh. Uh, and I quit and I felt an immense sense of shame. Mm-hmm. And I was so tired. I was so mentally exhausted. So then you put that on with quitting. Uh-huh. And of course, what people see is a quitter. They don't see someone who has, you know, you know and, and, and that's not the thing about that's dangerous in the way we talk about learning difficulties and, and young people is everyone goes where they are seen. Hmm. Either you recognize it yourself, which you learn more as you get older, or where people are, you know, of course you're, you're not going to go where people are knocking in the face. They're going to mm. go where we're saying you're good. So when I was lying there, um, one of the things I, I, I did create of a criteria for myself, I chose a school in education that didn't have exams. Mm-hmm. I ended up at a university, an art university, where you don't have exams. Because I had such, I dealt with such uh, anxiety for exams. Mm-hmm. And I felt exams were such a poor place for me mm-hmm. because I don't perform. But I know I'm good, right? Mm. So I ended up going to, to, and this is where I think art education is important for what I've done later in my life. Mm-hmm. Because you, you have crit, you have critical assessment where you are criticizing each other for the better. Yeah. Not to take people down. No. A lot of people quit art schools, but they don't, they don't hack it. They don't understand the point of a crit. Mm-hmm. You are actually, you are, you're having critical debate about each other, about your work in front of the teachers. Mm-hmm. And what you're measured on is your ability to criticize and develop your argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people are quitting thinking, oh, you shouldn't do that. Uh, you know, let's, let's, let's say we're great and then the teacher will think we're great. Yeah. Um, but those who hack it at art school are those who understand it's the, it's the development process of uh, reflection and critical exactly. thinking. And, yeah. and they said at the beginning of the year, we're not going to give you. Yeah. What we measure on is have you moved from A to B? Yeah. That's your grade. It's going to be your book. Yeah. And what we're doing in between. Yeah, you're getting, we're getting, you're getting, you are getting grades on things, but normally on the paper, not on your work. Mm-hmm. Your argument for your work is graded, not your work. Mm. Um, they were, you know, you are talking about being subject, uh, subjective, yeah. which when you go to these business schools, it, it's kind of subjective things are, 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 are graded objectively mm-hmm. or, or vice versa. And it kind of, that's why my mind's like, this doesn't make sense. That's what happened at uh, high school. Yeah. I would get bad grades because my spelling was wrong, but actually my writing was at the level where, you know, I actually sometimes have to resubmit it because mm-hmm. I disagreed with the grade. I get it to like the second worst. I was failing. Yeah. I resubmitted it and the teacher goes back, you should have the best grade. Yeah. The problem is the teacher didn't understand your abstract argument. Yeah. And here she's more obsessed about that your writing was wrong. You're a sentence building. So, mm-hmm. And that was the thing that I was like, it's not I'm so great, but a lot of people like me, mm-hmm. that's where we fail. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also put it this way, I knew I was shit at writing, so I tried to perfect my arguments mm-hmm. because I knew I would fail there, so I would go where I would get recognition. So maybe I developed my mm-hmm. argumentation more instead yeah. of trying to spend a lot of time being good at spelling and mm. maybe more kids should get. Yeah. Right? So this all, and all of this is what brings me, so going through art school, realizing this is the, like the perfect educational, pedagogical system for the world we're going into. Mm-hmm. Like, because we are not in the old world. That yeah. was for that one. We're going to new one. And actually, art school never educated working people. Yeah. So we never had to conform to the working model. So it has so much more of the original um, uh, self discovery. Ed- exactly, education. developing the human being in your own yeah. kind of path. And actually, yeah. they said that art school. We're not going to teach you how to take photographs. We're going to teach you us questions of the world. Then you're going to go into the school and you'll figure out what photo- photographic techniques is best yeah. for you. For your quest if not what you'll do is you'll learn the technique and then you'll try and make projects based on the technique you learned mm-hmm. uh, i loved all of this i mean i honestly i think that this school is is amazing <laughs> and that's what i 
took into Kahoot. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's important to say when we're talking about Kahoot, this Kahoot success is that we recognized early on that its, it's success is going to be when all of these different characters we were mm -hmm. put together into the system, it would be more wholesome. I see. Um, and so, so uh, great reflection ideas about, about education and how people learn. That's very, very interesting. Uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, early days of Kahoot. Uh, what was the what was the uh, major major challenges in in the beginning? <laughs> yeah, the first one is actually the early days of Kahoot. It wasn't Kahoot. Yeah. It was something else. Yeah. Uh, it was actually that I worked in London in an agency that was going through major changes because it was the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. um, because so in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah. I'm a forward-looking person, so never waste a crisis. Um, this is, you know, what you learn having crisis early in your life, mm -hmm. feel, feel, uh, meeting obstacles. Um, by the way, why education is about obstacles and resistance. Uh, one thing that is misunderstood by kids and not taught, to recognize learning as resistance and overcoming resistance. Um, and I had that in my whole life, also my working life, because I always want to push the boundaries. So in this agency I worked in, I pushed the boundaries. I was working on the digital stuff in a traditional comms agency where the majority of people there were producing things for print. Mm -hmm. um, and, but as the financial crisis happened, you know, a lot of things was reset. Print is expensive, yeah. comms is expensive. There's a yeah. lot of things, just to show that it was one example. Yeah. Um, so, and we had already started working, doing a slowly doing work, which was around how companies have to change to the future and then the financial crisis comes and we've been using gaming theory we've been using using games to get companies to 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 learn mm -hmm. and to change and then financial crisis come and all of a sudden they are you know we're not going to fly anymore we're not going to gather all the groups together you know um there was already the transition going on mm -hmm. for unilever for example where they're going to more values-based mm -hmm. so we were practicing behavioral design and programs to get large corporates to change mm -hmm. and then you get this bunk <laughs> where people are rethinking everything yeah. and we could rethink what is going to come afterwards mm -hmm. how are our clients and the world going to be yeah. um, and we really focused in on understanding how to use in gaming theory to design uh, scenarios where people would accept um, a situation where they could learn because what happens is people go into a situation with a role, I am a scientist mm -hmm. of this kind, and, and, they, and they perform that in their work and they think like a scientist. But sometimes you want to gather people in a room only with their knowledge and their human feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and the game is really good because you can go in, you can design a scenario that people accept. Yeah, so so when you talk about gaming theory, then, then you're referring to like behavioral mod modification, learning, reward systems. Behavioral so. change is learning. Mm -hmm. uh, business models are behaviors. So what you learn at school and why you got to so, you know, we were doing behavioral design to affect learning because learning is how a company change. Mm. Um, the more we saw all of this, the more we talked about it, and we did it with Daimler, we did it with Unilever, we did it with the BBC. Yeah. Um, I would just say, like, I was probably intellectualizing and doing a lot like this and our clients were still buying games and change management, you know, they're buying the, the effect. Mm -hmm. But we were developing quite sophisticated research based on Ken Livingston, Stuart Brown. Yeah. I was challenging the concept of play personalities as a psychologist. Yeah. We could see that mm -hmm. we think in our behavior design, people are not stuck in ones. They can actually, we can design context where they swing between them. Mm -hmm. uh, I held talks in, uh, in uh, you know, on London Design Week. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we, 
we talked about remix culture, how important that is for learning. I mean, interesting to hear that that uh, that the, your years in education and reflection about choosing your own path uh, affected you really as well in your confidence in a, in a in believing in a different learning model because you choose your own learning model yes. and with success and uh, that probably gave you a lot of confidence going going forward. Yeah, because your success and I mean mm. this goes back to one aspect I haven't talked about my <laughs> my education and. And I speak so, talked about, you know, coming across as uh, an asshole, arrogant. I am in many ways where I'm confident you come across as arrogant. But I know something to be true. Yeah. But you have, a, you have the hat, which, which helps a little bit. You can, you can. Well, now uh, I can. <laughs> uh, but can you imagine when I was always the youngest in the room, yeah. I was always in a position above my age mm -hmm. and my experience, yet I found myself in the positions. Yeah. You know, all the way from, uh, to be honest, when I was in high school, I was selling computers. I was... I bragged myself into a job at the 16 at Norway's premier uh, Mac shop that yeah. was selling solutions to police and universities. Mm -hmm. I was the first to have a mobile phone. I would look through the registry in high school and figure out people looking for machines. I would sell machines <laughs> to, you know, the police and the universities and stuff while I was in high school. Wow. <laughs> struggling to write, you know, <laughs> write some analysis of a poem, yet I could sell advanced <laughs> solutions, right? Exactly. I, I, was, I would go up to this, uh -huh. this shop. I would see master, you know, you're recognized mm. yeah. because nobody cared that I was 16. You know, I was performing yeah. at, at a level way. As long beyond. as they got the computer or the technology yeah, they exactly. needed. And that was yeah. the two weeks when I dropped out of school, uh, I was in bed. Yeah. What I hadn't said is also another thing that happened. I parallel worked still in the shop mm. uh, with my best friend yeah. who was also studying with me part time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just think it's interesting because it goes a little bit into into computer what I do. Yeah. I felt the other employees, um, there was stuff they didn't understand about uh, what we were selling in the solutions. And I also did a prank, it was also coming as a prank, but I designed the scenario <laughs> some late uh, evening on a Thursday when the shop was up late and we had the late mm -hmm. shift, where we installed the music, Don't Worry, Be Happy, uh, and a script on the machine when it started up that said, I'm deleting your hard drive, Don't Worry, Be Happy was played. Because yeah. I knew that the day after, the boss and the other ones, they normally come just before opening the shop because we would normally close it really beautifully and it was already, we, mm -hmm. we wanted to, you know, we always optimize the shop so they yeah. knew they can come late. Yeah. This time around when they came late, yeah. actually they came so late, the customers were outside, they go in, they turn on all the computers and they're all playing, don't worry, be happy, I'm <laughs> deleting your hard drive. <laughs> can you imagine the phone call me and my best friend got at university? Wow. Uh, and one part of that was also, one part was to throw them a lesson, right? Yeah. The other one was also kind of to show a little bit like what was possible. You could customize, you could create user journeys. With one music and then a few lines, you can create a yeah. lot of emotions and uh, And I think the customers and, yeah. laughed ahead of, but of course they felt very embarrassed. And, and also we exposed, they didn't know how to, how to get out of it, which was a simple command that you should mm. know. But we were kind of showing our excellence. Yeah. Um, and if you were to listen to this, uh, Nikolai, he would probably recognize how freaking angry he was. <laughs> um, but this is the stuff that I've taken into my mm -hmm. life. And uh, when I then chose my education, and then actually once I was done with my arts degree in fine yeah. photography, I, I went in with a film. Mm -hmm. I got into the super art school because of a film I created in high school, yeah. challenging uh, the existence of Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Well, all the way around, challenging people who were challenging it. After one year, I left the, the film side of it. The, my film teacher was up really upset because he felt like I was the most conceptual uh, student they had. Yeah. But the problem was the, the photography side of it was the most free one. Yeah. 
-hmm. On the photography one, I didn't actually have to do a film education. Mm -hmm. With the photography one, it was all about challenging the world. I see. So all the great artists mm -hmm. in film went there. Yeah. And the important thing for me with that one, she said, is when I ended up, I ended up applying, I was between taking special effects in London, taking a degree as a curator, mm -hmm. or going to entrepreneur school. Yeah. And my assessment for that was the future artist is going to be the curator, mm. which actually is what's happening here. If you look at Ida Ekblad and a lot of other people, yeah. you could see the art was kind of about curation. Mm -hmm. And the other one, or do I go deep and I go narrow in special effects and I can create expressions? Yeah. Or do I actually go off and do entrepreneurship and I actually do the other part of me, the one where I can actually make companies as mm. art? Yeah. Uh, and that's been super important when I ended mm. up came back to London. Yeah. I was the best student. I can say that I was the best student in art school. In school, in uh, I was the best student in degree show in art school. Mm -hmm. I was the best student in um, in my school in Boston when I did uh, entrepreneurship, yeah. um, because I was just the most engaged. I was the mm -hmm. one that went the deepest. I was probably the most nerdy. I didn't do all the other ones. I was running my own tech companies on the side yeah. while I was doing all this. And I come to London and I take uh, a job in a creative agency starting a new digital company. And that's what's mm -hmm. interesting. I wasn't interested in their old print business. No. I did like the corporate comms, mm -hmm. but I chose the digital one because it was the most open. It was yeah. undefined. Yeah. All the roles are open. You don't have to go into yeah. these different things. Interesting. Very interesting. And Johan, going back to Kahoot. Uh, yeah. so... I know you want to get to that one. Because uh, <laughs> I, I know you want to talk about Kahoot one. I just, I just kind of have to show these yeah. other ones. Because mm. it's the compounding one of those that made us understand that we had to do Kahoot. Yeah. What became Kahoot? Because I just have to say that I did talks about, I started talking about mm. as much as I hate yeah. talking on stage, mm. I started training myself to learn how to mingle mm. and go on stage. Because yeah. I realized the only way I'm going to get further in life is starting attracting people who understand what's going on. And I can't mm. write, I can't write articles. Yeah. Uh, um, I have to mm. verbalize it. Yeah. I see. Very good. And I think you become very good at it maybe you've always been very good at it but uh, but i understand often with founders it's like when when people ask about kahoot for example then they yeah. think okay the date of kahoot was the date well where well the company was registered yes. but but that's not the start of kahoot it started yeah. somewhere earlier so is, is that one of the thoughts yeah and feelings so that's what when, i was going to show uh, you um, it's like this is a journey it started before it was yeah. enlisted as a company yeah kahoot uh, started yeah. in the heads of four or five people yeah Funnily enough, around 2006, without knowing each mm. other, it's going to take three more years before we met. Yeah. So you have Martin at Antonu, who was doing his technical degree, and he was actually figuring out how can you use, at that point, mobile phones based on Bluetooth and make gaming environments mm -hmm. and interactions. And he was yeah. doing it in cinemas with big projections. His uh, professor was then looking at that, how can I use that in my education and other things. He's a gaming professor. So they mm -hmm. were in, at Antonu studying, call it multiple gaming with technology platforms, mm -hmm. utilizing kind of what yeah. was around. And Jamie and I, and my other co-founder, that was my first, he was my employee in the company because I ended up leading the digital company over there. Yeah. Uh, we're exploring uh, theory of play. And now we're actually, we, we had to kind of, during the financial crisis, we're talking about the crisis, we, we had to stop, we had to reinvent the company. We had to actually restart it. Mm -hmm. We had to do a, what they call a controlled uh, bankruptcy. And then we started it, shedding the old, doing the new. And that's when we had studied play and we started realizing these behavioral models, these games, they, they are the way for companies to learn how mm -hmm. to, to behave in the new world. Yeah. So we did that. And that started then around 2008-9. Then we started talking about it. My old study buddy from Boston, called Emil, mm -hmm. and he's like the most important thing to understand how ideas uh, happen. Mm -hmm. He heard me talk on yeah. stage in Norway. Yeah. 
he said, oh my God, I work at university. I have these two guys who have done all this research into gaming platforms. Mm -hmm. You guys are talking about the same stuff. Yeah. And he connected us. Mm -hmm. And we fell in love, love with Martin's uh, ideas and he fell in love, I think, or <laughs> somehow realized he needed us. Yeah. And that's 2009 meeting there is when our path crossed. Yeah. And then we, for a couple of more years, uh, worked together to try and figure out what is this thing? Because we have this inkling. I think a lot of really great projects have this inkling of something, of a future. You don't know really how to grasp it. Mm -hmm. um, and the beginning of Kahoot was that I then left my agency with Jamie and we started what we call We Are Human. Mm -hmm. And we started We Are Human to do a thing I've done my whole life. I started my own accelerator. I'd studied entrepreneurship and so on. Mm -hmm. I realized we kind of needed to create a vehicle for creating what we wanted. So we created We Are Human was made to make companies, mm -hmm. to answer the problems we saw. And, and, and what became Kahoot was one of them. Mm -hmm. And we studied that and we did a lot of different research projects. We took jobs with other companies to learn what we needed. Mm -hmm. And we exchanged kind of services. Yeah. And we more and more brought people into We Are Human. Um, and then with the university we created in 2011, we registered the company. Mm -hmm. Because then we started to have some quite real examples of how it could actually express yeah. itself. But it wasn't before this operational plan on that. Exactly yeah, we how, were, how... We, well, we had some real kind of, we had theories of that the mobile phone would be, become the, the controller of our lives mm. in 2012, 2011. So we called the company Mobitroll, mm -hmm. the mobile troll. Yeah. And we knew, but we knew they needed to have an expressive brand so it could be many things. And then we ran many of several projects. So Alfinga at Antonio was running his, his lecture quiz project, mm. which was kind of um, a derivative from Bus in PlayStation yeah. put on our platform. Mm -hmm. And we were playing around with a lot of engagement models, a lot of business models, following along the one we were doing from, from uh, our previous job where we're using uh, gaming for companies to, to experience learning. Yeah. And this is at summer 2012, and that's the breaking point when Jamie uh, was very clear saying that I can only see one path for me forward in this one is if we choose learning. Mm -hmm. And it was a revelation for the rest of us. We were like, yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you mm -hmm. said that because I felt the same. Yeah. And in 2012, that's when Kahoot became what became Kahoot. Because mm -hmm. then we started describing, so what is this that has to happen? Yeah. And we collectively realized there's something beautiful when you have, coll when you have collective groups. It was called um, Collectia, mm -hmm. uh, when people study self-motivated for exam in groups mm -hmm. and how what do they do what do they exchange and so on and then we oh we like oh our finger did this bus for playstation uh, adoption called lecture quiz on the platform over here it has all these other issues but he kind of proved that it works from a teacher's perspective yeah. even though he's only working with a few people and then over here we did another other test we create some some self-initiated quiz shows and we tested mm -hmm. it and then we started slowly come together and we realized this is it. Mm -hmm. We need to make a platform, a learning platform that works from classroom to boardroom. Yeah. Because if you're gonna change businesses, we need to change how you learn and how you learn starts at kindergarten. Yeah. And it goes all the way. And then we slowly did this. And this is the same process I've always mm -hmm. been doing. And this was my job was to yeah. conceptualize, lay the ground, convince mm -hmm. the others where we're going. And then we start realizing yeah. that is it. There's this business opportunity. We're going through change. The world is resetting itself. We're still, you know, 2011, 2012, we're still uh, that. And then we started saying, this is an opportunity. And then for our mm -hmm. the gracious good, what happened? We started realizing, you know what? The US is rewriting all its curriculum. Oh my God. Can you imagine? They're rewriting the whole curriculum. That means they are also throwing out a lot of the old stuff and they're ready for new stuff. Um, so then all this starts coming together. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the beginning of Kahoot, mm -hmm. was spotting holes in the market, opportunities. We saw a need for behavioral change. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we and that's another important I have to say there as well I learned in my years in London was the world we live in as youth is not reflected in your workplace the iPhone's adoption was because you could take consumer technology into the workplace when I choose I take the iPhone when I choose you get the Blackberry mm. and we said we need to create a platform that the young and the teacher choose what is it that will make them choose it? Recognition, mm -hmm. all the interhuman things. Um, so we devised this model we called hand, heart, and mind. Mm. We have to design for all the ones. So we start recognizing that is an old pedagogical thing from the 1700s, and where it's like you have to design for the whole human being. And so Kahoot is this, all these relations of how do you design for a whole human being? All the things I put in came from my neurodiversity. <laughs> Jamie came from his new diversity, Martin from his new diversity. Mm -hmm. And then we started designing a platform that uh, we realized it's about the whole classroom winning together. And this is where the game three came in. We're like, we can use game structure. We can use all these things we know that if, if students and teachers go in and they let go mm -hmm. who they are, yeah. I let go of that I am the Mexican girl from there. I, I let go I am this. I let go that I am an autistic. I'm going into the game. I'm being recognized. I'm winning together because that's actually what education is about. It's not about me me responding and getting my own grade is actually succeeding together and learning how to be part of a society. Mm. See. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. fascinating. And that's why it isn't a quiz mm. show. No, <laughs> I see, like, like many would, would say or associate with, yeah. No, it's a so, pedagogical model mm. that is expressed with many digital services that combine it together. Yeah. So, Johan, you are uh, in your private life, so uh, running Kahoot and, and going through the early years, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your private life. So, so uh, how has that uh, been? Yeah, I can say one thing about private life just by reflecting actually into Kahoot. We didn't have leadership in the beginning. Mm -hmm. We were very like we were all equal. Yeah. Uh, and it's how I also felt like my growing up is this idea of in Norway is a very flat structure. Mm -hmm. And same in your family. There's not one patriarch in the family. There's no one, you know. Uh, with friends, we always always try to be very kind of, you know, everyone chooses a bit what you want because then we know that we are having the best thing, particularly when I sailed with friends. Yeah. We divvied everything up with like, uh, it's just because I'm the captain on the boat doesn't mean I decide. <laughs> My job is to get us there safely, but maybe the guy who took to be the chef chooses location or yeah. how long. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so my, my need to try and be accepted by my friends yeah. Because I always had this. I've been very sensitive. I want to make sure my friends like what's going on. There's mm -hmm. not me just doing my own thing. That they're not uh, unhappy with you or dissatisfied. Or... Yeah, like my best friend sail mm -hmm. sailing with me, even though he wasn't a sailor, then for me it was important that he chose maybe where we were, how hard we sailed, yeah. what was going on, because I got to sail, mm -hmm. right? So this idea of understanding um, that. Um, uh, always been super scared of, of losing those I've committed to. Uh, so if I commit to a friends group, you know, it's super important for me that I'm always very sensitive to this idea of uh, of not belonging or people going away, and um, so I cultivated a several group of friends I could go between. So yeah, so you, with, with the relationship you have, you had a little bit safety strategy at least that you has had something to fall back on. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's my mom said about my first, you know, a really long term girlfriend is like, don't show her, her how 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 um, addicted you are to her. Mm -hmm. How 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 she how could see that that you would scare her, like mm. she said. When people are young, if someone is so is so need you so much, it can mm -hmm. be very scary. It can be very overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so I cultivated some very very close friends, which still are my friends, and I still you know we're still talking. When you came in, I was watching a video from him. You know, we keep having these kind of um, boyish stupid things, but it's a way of, yeah, 
we need each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am that way. And, and it's one of the reasons I didn't want to be the CEO of Kahoot. I hired someone to be that, Osman, my co-founder. Mm-hmm. But he did work back to say, you have to be the CEO. But it's also because I grew up with the one that this thing, when you're a leader, you can't be friends. Mm-hmm. You, you become, a, you know, become there's a separation. So you realized that that was maybe your strength and weakness at the same time, that uh, you were good with people, but you had hard time handling the emotions if someone disliked you Is yeah that... exactly and this idea of being a leader or or how high performance or taking charge sometimes of course comes that people become unhappy mm-hmm. yet have to have done it anyway and i'm arrogant in the way I'm, i'm going forward and that at art school i wasn't very well liked because i did things my own way i did the crits i would i would turn up and not have a picture on the wall yet get best grade because i could argue why the picture wasn't there yeah So to some degree, I was also happy not being liked. Mm. But I chose those. Those I chose to like. Yeah. So so those were not maybe relationship with you. Would you had or would you had? Yeah. Which was important. For I you. deem who's mm. important. But if I employ someone, I've always been like that. Those who I employ, mm. they're important to me. That day that they like it, because the second they're not important to me, I almost have to fire them. Mm-hmm. Because then my investment into them is so I'm. So of course there's the comedy there. That's a bit of an issue. Yeah. But when you ask me privately, it's the same with my friends. Either we're friends, mm-hmm. or you're just someone present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So and and private life. So did you continue having the same girlfriend? Is he? Uh, did you? No, yeah, no, no, no. We got married. Uh, we were um, sweet, uh, kind of a sweet. Was called sweetheart from. Um, Well, I, I mean, I liked her. My, I remember being probably six, seven years. Telling my best friend, I liked her. <laughs> okay. So we were on and off until, uh, yeah. uh, and we studied. We're in the same class. Mm-hmm. I went to Edinburgh at university also because of her. Yeah, I see. Um, so so I, you're a romantic man. Yeah, I was addicted to her. Yeah, she was my lifeline. Mm. She's yeah. so diff- She was so stable. Yeah. When I'm like this, mm-hmm. she's like that. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, we were great friends. Uh, even though we were on and off as sweethearts, we we kept on being great friends. Went to the same classes. A lot of people was like to her was like, "Why, why are you that crazy? But that crazy guy." But there was some, there was some traction. We had several good friends. Uh-huh. Uh, we studied together. Uh, I'm, you know, we. I proposed to her when I was there in Edinburgh with her. Mm-hmm. We got married straight after <gasps> Edinburgh. But us also, we kind of got married to realize that we were insanely good friends, but actually not in love. Yeah, it's taken years to to understand this. <gasps> this idea of. And I was saying for her that this 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 need for each other mm-hmm. wasn't love. It was a friendship that was so deeply rooted. And 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 then it kind of, if we had understood that, we might have stayed really really close. I mean, we're still friends, but um, mm-hmm. and then cultivated love on the side. But we kind of cultivated this extreme friendship. Yeah. Uh, and the marriage kind of and everything expected from marriage kind of showed that shit. We're not man and wife. <laughs> we are good friends. Yeah. So it was. Uh... Lack, lack of the love would you expect it? Uh, yeah, and when you don't have had many girlfriends or d- done that deeply, and you're so deeply rooted, and you get into you know mid twenties, mm. um, yeah. understanding what love is versus deep kind of friendship love, mm-hmm. uh, romantic love, you know, it's uh, yeah, that was a, that was a hard that was a hard hard yeah. knock in the face. Yeah. Was, uh, was that a hard period for you? Insanely hard. Yeah. Because, and the funny joke is that agency I was working for mm-hmm. went yeah. bankrupt on a Monday, yeah. and on the Friday she asked for divorce. Yeah. Not a good week. Uh-huh. I was all by myself in London. Uh, it was the level where you know I ended up being paralyzed in bed because I was so full of anxiety without understanding it was anxiety because I never really experienced that in that way. Even though I had had uh, had, mm-hmm. had it before. <laughs> 
not my way. So I had to get out of bed uh, only because I had to piss myself. Uh, I was on a reason and I was refusing to piss myself. So I got out of bed and I yeah. walked to, um, it was a Sunday, and I found uh, uh, a, sh- what's it called, like a doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a volume, mm-hmm. which I've never taken in my life. I don't really take medicine. Yeah. And I take that, and I go back, and then my and I'm, my the, my um, my muscles started relaxing, yeah. and then I had this awful period where yeah I was questioning everything, and I was mm. all by myself, but I had great friends, so they flew over, yeah. hang out with me. Um, but the pivotal point, mm. because it's also when I started asking myself a lot of questions, that led up to starting We Are Human. Yeah. Did uh, when she when she asked for that divorce on a Friday. Uh, uh, did you realize that she was right, or what was the thought? I mean, it, we, we, it, it was, it, it was coming. Yeah. Obviously, it was coming. Yeah. It was more that I was so in love with her, mm-hmm. uh, I was so dependent on her yeah. that I didn't want to let go. So even though we weren't even living together, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to face this a bit like that. I had to have the one at school. I had to go in, in the ground. Uh, so you know, it was the smartest thing she could do. <laughs> mm, I see. Else we would just continue. But for me, it was um, you know, my safety net was pulled away. I talked about mm, you know the thing relations, I, and, yeah. you know, I thought I couldn't live without her. Mm. So what happens when that's removed? Yeah. And you already your job is gone. Yeah. Shit. Uh, and you're not at home. Mm. You're in a different country, and you move there because of her. Yeah. So so Johan, what do you when you reflect upon like? your strategies uh, about dealing with uh, setbacks and uh, setbacks in life li- like these ones uh, what, do you, what do you think you are uh, are your strategies to, to deal with your resilient strategies it's obviously relationships they're important for you friends and family mm. yeah uh, and same in business when business has gone to shits being uh, that, that those you invested in to have um, done stuff that's not okay mm-hmm it really gets to me. It, it fires uh, something inside of me. It's like I don't accept dishonesty yeah. or deceiving or ego things or, you know. Um, so often what happens is, yeah, you know, you get knocked down because maybe the rug is pulled under you because people done, you know, it's happened in the previous company as well where people have been dishonest and all of a sudden you realize that the financing, the business is gone because that person has done something really bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's when you fire uh, the devil in me where I go even harder and then I obviously have developed this thing and it was someone said never waste a good crisis I can't remember who it is but there's someone clever where it's like okay what can I learn from this mm-hmm. I mean you let the emotions go through I learned myself that I have to go through the emotions I have yeah. to let it just happen I read a lot about sorrow when I was going through my divorce as well and I realized it's all the different stages mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think what can I learn from these different stages uh, I read all these books because I'm interested about behavioral Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm interested in how you design for different mental stages to get people to do stuff. So I was trying to self-observe. Yeah. So um, so that you try to seek out different thoughts, different perspectives to see it a little bit. How am I reacting like, in this? What choices am I making? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Are you, are, do you and what's so? important for me when I'm when these things are gone? Mm-hmm. What's important for me now? Yeah. Like when I chose to go to realizing that having a school without exams is important for me to be motivated about school, mm-hmm. to be visually expressive. Yeah. So when I was going through that divorce and we were kind of restarting company, I was also thinking about moving away from Norway. Sorry, from London, I went to interview in Norway. I was like, yeah, I can't be in Norway. I was actually offered really interesting roles. Mm. But the problem, they had the same things as when I was in Norway before. Creativity was not understood. I was not understood. Yeah. Uh, I realized I'm not understood here. This What I had inside of me, actually, it was a Norwegian agency that wanted to deploy me, but 
Some of the key people said no, I, even though I know the guy who wanted to hire me didn't say no. And already there, I was talking about a lot of the foundational things that took to Kahoot. Mm-hmm. The role of play, the psychology of play. But it was just, they were like, like guys, you know, <laughs> we, can't, yeah. we can't make money of him yeah. because he won't fit into yeah. a project for HP. Yeah. You know, he won't fit into that box. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. So that's why when I came back and I had this, I could be part of a leadership of a new company and define and create new things mm. from where we are creating it yeah. and then kind of applying it on this mm. where I am. And that's yeah. also this expression. This is what I started learning from this crisis is I need to define. Mm-hmm. I'm a creator. Yeah. I'm, I make concepts. I see. That's a big learning I got at that mm. point. Uh, yeah. For for many people, obviously that that uh, you have the seems to good ability to to think abstractly, seek different type of thought patterns, like to understand, like to evaluate situ- situations differently. But even though for some people, even though they realize okay they're going through a divorce, but they're still healthy, they live in a good place, <laughs> they have friends. It's all logical, but it's all true. But still, you you don't manage to swiss the motions like no. you're still down even though you know you should be able to yeah, yeah. but sometimes sometimes for people they, they they the motions are there it's and it's hard to bring themselves up yeah so w- what what do you think that you did the extra one like to 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 bring you up up again did you did you did but you I, do anything I, specifically yeah in one way and i i still do it i sometimes you know i because i'm an up and down person mm-hmm so when I'm down now, um, I'm just like, yeah, of course, and people asking, how are you? And I, and I said, it's very dangerous to ever ask me how I am. You probably noticed that now because I, I won't give you a simple answer. Because when you're asking that, if you, you want me to say good, because it's easy for you, you don't want me to say shit and you don't want to know that because then you have to deal with the fact that I have a lot of emotions and a lot of people don't want to. Yeah. They want to be around people who are shit because they're thinking, oh shit, then I have to. What should I say? Yeah, yeah and then I have to engage yeah. with it or, yeah. you know, so yeah. don't, question, don't ask a question. If you don't want to answer, and there was mm. a psychologist who asked me this, not because I went to her for any reason, but we were talking about business, and I gave her a list like, yeah, here, here's here's the duality answer. This is what good, this is what bad, and I'm somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is like, yeah, I understand. Like I should, from an objective view, what we measure as good. You know, I have done well in business. I don't have money problems. I have a girlfriend. I have kids. Um, Great, you know, yeah, I should, from outside, I should be a happy person today. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not at all. Uh, but I have a source for happiness. My kids don't make me happy, but they're a source for happiness. My wife doesn't make me happy, but she's a source of happiness. Not having to worry about money is a source for happiness as well, if you use mm. it correctly. So the way I started looking at the world around me was like, these things are not conditional for being happy, but they are their context to, from within to find happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, or mastery or, or joy or mm. expression um, so for me it's more thinking like this this idea of you know it, it is my is how I interact with the context I'm in mm-hmm. and if I can't find that context I have to change concept, context yeah. and so when a lot of what we realize designing Kahoot because this came into we are human that's what we call we are human mm-hmm. and our behavioral design is if you want to succeed designing new companies which are service-based and um, so often you have to actually design for the context and and bring out other things in the context so mm-hmm. you're changing the context for people yeah. so that they are changing habits so that, mm. that so so I'm doing it on myself um, and sometimes I mean taking a different route to work mm-hmm. it means uh, maybe calling a person you haven't called for a long time it's, it means breaking up patterns yeah. uh, finding what are mm. my sources of happiness okay all these things over here I don't yeah. find it here today mm. 
I'll call yeah. someone else, I'll mm. do something else, um, yeah. jump in the water. Yeah. yeah. I see. So, uh, interesting to hear. So, uh, uh, belief systems which often are behind the automatic thoughts which pop up. But you seems to be that you have a, a belief system which is like that, that, that you believe you have to go through pain to learn from it. It's like pain and discomfort, think... it can't be a part of it. And, yeah. bra- and breaking out of patterns, that's, that's, that's important. You have to recognize yeah. that resistance. Mm. You have to, when you're learning, you're going to feel tired just like you do when you're running. Mm-hmm. That it's through the resistance you'll recognize learning, mm-hmm. right? That's the same with growth. Yeah. Everyone knows this. We talk about it in the books, mm. but like you have to have gone through the pain to grow. If you're constantly here, mm. it's very dangerous yeah. because what happens when, uh, if something goes wrong and you haven't actually gone through, you want to do it in micro scale. So what happens big, you have the tools ready. Yeah. Uh, so that was this idea of friction. Yeah. Uh, you have the need to crisis. Also, probably why I often put myself into new context. Because mm-hmm. if I'm playing, if I'm doing repeat, mm-hmm. it's safety, and I'm not growing. Yeah. Uh, and also, I have the type of personality that doing repeat work is where I fail because mm. <laughs> I get bored. Yeah. I lose, I lose concentration. I, you know, is not my strength. Yeah. Uh, which I now learn more about later in life. But uh, yeah, but that's my. So you can mm. say this. You can say my belief, my belief yeah. system. But honestly, I think this is how I'm born. Mm. I think this comes from me from internally. The way my brain yeah. works yeah. is where it's, you know, obviously it's because that's where I excel. Mm-hmm. I know I excel in abstraction yeah. and I'm ability to do all this self-observation. Like that's why I was good at sports. Mm-hmm. I could see myself from outside. Yeah. I could practice visually how I was in a context. Yeah. And then you start reading about who succeeds and become Beckham and stuff. It's his ability to self-observe mm-hmm. in the moment. Yeah. And so I was very good technically when I was good in jumping or cross-country or when I was doing American football, I was really good because I could visualize the game. Mm-hmm. That was my ability. Yeah. Um, so I honestly, you're saying the belief system, yeah. to be honest, I think I neuro- neurologically, yeah. that's where my brain is yeah. strong. Yeah, you have a predisposition for, 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 for these things. Yeah. And that's why I'm using to my strength. Mm. And that's why I'm mm. fascinated by people who are insanely stable because mm. they can go through crisis very calmly yeah. and not be so emotionally affected. And then yeah. they have another way of reflecting it. Yeah. I have to kind of assess my emotional outburst of it and they can kind of they can kind of affect yeah. how the world is unraveling yeah. around them yeah. well what are your what are your if, if if you of course want to tell but what are your what are your bad habits what are what are the things which you've done uh, <laughs> when you have a tough period which you which you know you have a tendency to do but like you know it's definitely not helping you but everyone has has a couple of those things what is that you and us which is not helping himself or anyone I, well what doesn't help anyone is when i get erratic and and and, and um i kind of outbursts yeah you know does um, that happen do you throw glasses at the wall no, not that way but i can be i can i can show all my emotions in a meeting yeah bring everyone down you know bring everyone down to where i am uh, and what do you say you stupid everyone no like, i don't do that don't but i'll say fuck i hate this this is stupid i don't like this process i don't i think we're going to shits if we don't change this is going to be and for yeah. some people who maybe are not in the position to make change yeah or maybe not you know don't feel empowered to make change mm-hmm. what the fuck does that mean yeah how, you know, how do they deal with, with that? Yeah, yeah and i was very aware when i became a boss you can't do that because mm-hmm. i'm aware that people are looking upon you so if you're saying or showing that people go Am I losing my job? You know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. You know? But I'm, I often use that to 
to get myself into a mode where I can reassemble. But for mm. others, that can be very, very bad. Yeah. So I can say something about... Destabilizing my... effect on them, yeah. but it's a part, part of your natural response. Or... Exactly. My part of solving the problem is to kind of throw the whole project up in the air. The problem is you can call it a bad habit when you're doing group work because it's mm. bad for them. It might be good for me isolated, <laughs> but it's very bad for them and then it becomes a bad habit. Yeah. But there's other more classical bad habits. It's like I, I end up, you know, down on sugar. Mm. You know, I... I I, I I retract from everyone. Yeah. Um, I so I do things which is my brain asks me for. Like it's depre- depressed, so he wants sugar. Yeah. He wants quick fixes. And mm-hmm. um, I am the type of person who needs to to take away everyone and all the sounds and and, mm-hmm. and uh, insulate. But the problem I also is becomes a bad habit because it it also means I don't have to face things that I want to deal with. So mm-hmm. I just remove myself. Yeah. Um, and, and those things, of course, I I mean I'm. I break my habits. Mm-hmm. I break my good habits. I don't go exercise. Yeah. So you, you know, quit quit the stuff. Sailing yeah. Or I've got a really bad self regulation. Yeah. You know, classical mm-hmm. for my type of personality is I'm not very good at self regulating. So I'll, I'll watch through two. You know, not, not one season of Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. You know, and I have to like I'll admit like here's the one. Um, I have saved Sopranos. What is it? Thirteen seasons. So if I really need it, I can down 13 seasons of Sopranos. <laughs> I know it's just waiting for me. <laughs> so I do this. I, I keep TV shows off. Yeah. And I sometimes, my way of turning off the world and escaping a bad habit is just to down stuff. A lot of people do this as well. but it's Yeah, but it's at least conscious from your side that you, yeah, you But the bad habit up. one yeah. is I can't self-regulate when I should go to bed. I'll see another one, another one, another mm. one. I'll eat one more chocolate. Yeah. And I'll do one more of those things. Uh, and that ability not to be able to... Mm. That's yeah. uh, that's a bad habit. It needs a lot of self control. <laughs> I see. Uh, do you think? Uh, do you think that uh, a part of of who you are uh, made it difficult for you to to stay active in Kahoot when it became a larger company and then you had different type of stakeholders, investors, or or, or maybe 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 it's not a relevant question at all. No, but, no, it's but, super uh, super relevant, and I designed for it. Yeah. So. When we created Kahoot to create companies, mm-hmm. sorry, when we created We Are Human to create companies, yeah. it wasn't the first company we created We Are Human. We actually, while we were doing the Kahoot development, we created some other companies. I actually mm-hmm. created a hotel chain with someone. Yeah. It wasn't our idea, but we jump, jumped in and kind of worked on, on getting, and also went bust. We learned a lot from it. <laughs> uh, we did some other companies. We helped other startups. Um, yeah. And we normally, what we knew in us, that we are conceptualists, so we'll come in and do the concept, we step out. Mm-hmm. Kahoot is the one where we realized that conceptual drive of it, it's us. Mm-hmm. So we had to stay with it much longer. But I knew I am no, I am not an administrative leader. That's also why I didn't want to be the leader, mm-hmm. uh, per se, because I know what Norwegians were looking for in leaders, and I don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's not, they won't, they won't recognize the leadership they're looking for. But because it was a startup and it was a creative company, I was asked to be the CEO because I held probably the most complete idea of the vision in terms of not just product, but business and, and, and strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept We Are Human alive and I said to my, because at that point, all We Are Human employees ended up working for Kahoot. Mm-hmm. Because it, that's how we started. It was a project run by We Are Human in, in joint venture with Entenu. Mm. And at some point in 2014, when I became the CEO officially, yeah. that's when we jumped ship, all of us, and we all working went all into... Um, Kahoot, and that's how we rigged We Are Human, saying that if it's successful, all of us should always jump into the one and then come back later. Mm-hmm. And here's the point. I said to my business partner, we will leave Kahoot at some point. I don't know how long, yeah. but the type of people we are, it means we will leave. Because when it goes into administration and it's more repetitiveness, yeah. uh, when, when scale is repeat, not growth, because yeah. that's two parts of scaling that a lot of people forget. 
uh, we will leave. Uh, and when we came in, it was a little bit premature because of some other reasons. Um, I would say particularly one of the reasons I left was that, uh, you know, I was, um, they didn't want me to leave. Uh, but when I went over in a strategic role and we hired the money, we got a new CEO, which I thought would be excellent. Uh, that CEO wanted all full power and completely got them into trouble with all their founders and he was destructive. Mm-hmm. He's a destructive CEO. I, mean, I can say that publicly without being sued. He was a destructive CEO, misunderstood what it means to take over a creative-led business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed help yeah. to scale. There was no doubt about that. I mean, we had come to a point where me as a CEO was no longer the right person. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be it. And the board uh, where I was on also didn't want me to be it. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted me to leave. No. Um, mm-hmm. But going on with a strategic role, uh, and here comes the point of leaving, is when you start realizing that you have a CEO that I'm a trouble because I'm a strong person. I lead by nature. Mm-hmm. I can say that very arrogantly, but that's what I do. I lead by nature because I have a vision. Yeah. And when you are the previous CEO, you lead by nature, you have a CEO coming who wants all power. You have a friction that's not very good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, the second I went from he's the right person to he's destructive, is him or me in mm-hmm. my head. The other part of that, which was I was leaving and realizing, was that I am no longer in this position where I can be creatively driving the company forward. We're not going to take leaps. We're not going to go for new ideas. Mm-hmm. We're going to double down on what is. Um, and I was saying that is as that that is as um, good decision as moving for other ones. You know, because there's many ways of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and with all the friction with this guy saying, I can't just be there and fit into boxes and do these things. And, you know, he doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to be a room with someone who doesn't like me, who's scared of me. Um, that was very natural. There was a lot of other shit going on as well, yeah. which is natural to be honest in a startup. Yeah. Um, I, I actually decided to myself, there's this other role I like, being an active owner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to dedicate myself to be an active owner and I would like to get capital off the table and and build my own new stuff and because I had We Are Human and that was set up to do that. Because when the company then kind of firmly the strategy was to kind of play repeat on what was built, mm-hmm. someone like me didn't have to be there all the time. I, I am officially still a strategic advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is then it's, it's a new set of management. It's a new set of thinking in terms of scaling a company, implementing all the things to grow. So to my personality mm-hmm. and my you know, concept development person, yeah, mm. uh, it w- it was natural that I I, w- yeah. I would step aside and was it a was it a, a hard process? Did it take some time to recover yeah. and adjust? And yeah, yeah, and also you know mm. my wife said you know I'm not gonna have kids with you as long as you're a CEO of Kahoot. So um, <laughs> change role. Um, two weeks after I yeah. quit, uh, she got pregnant. So okay. um, obviously, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it was all consuming. Because I was doing something I didn't really mm. master. I was. Yeah. I was compensating by working too much. Yeah. So I was, that's also why I didn't want to be CEO. They could see I was coming to the limit of what the CEO needs to become yeah. at this level. Yeah. Um, but what was really hard was to kind of let go of your baby because it's the thing about being a founder, particularly like me, is you put all of yourself into it. And I've seen this mm. really interesting brain study to show that particularly men have the same attachment to their, their company as they do to their children, mm. emotionally. And I had this responsibility and I, w- I wanted her, her, so talk about Kahoot, to, to be the best she could be in the world, not to be confined by what other people thought. And my biggest frustration with Kahoot was that the financial world was trying to say, you have to be this, you have to be mm-hmm. this, to be just, it was getting the same thing I always got, to be grown up, to be all these yeah. things, you have to be things. And it was like, no, you don't. This is the alternative path. And this mm-hmm. is the thing about Kahoot, being the first company who grows in classroom but monetizes in businesses. 
because it's the same behavior and over time it will come together. Mm-hmm. It was only Eilert, the current CEO, who saw that. Mm-hmm. Everyone else didn't see that. And that's also one of the reasons I, you know, you know, for all the things he and I disagree on, the important thing is you have to agree on the fundamentals, you can disagree on everything else. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the big things to learn about Kahoot is we built a company that everyone thinks is an edtech company, it's a learning company, it's a behavioral company, who found out that it can build its DNA and market entry and it's, it, it's kind of our, uh, um, uh, research happens how it happens in schools mm-hmm. and its outtake is that it, it, it helps businesses change how they learn and all along we are, we are developing new type of kids uh, who will go in when it only takes four years if you start there so we also knew that we are developing yeah. our next user base yeah. so understanding how to actually cross the chasm and we were very analytical. So we were designing our users who would help mm. us cross the chasm. Yeah. We were designing our future monetization stuff. I was trying to explain this to the financial world who is so like, no, no, you have to prove these things. It's like, okay, you know what? This is, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. This is not, I'm not good at this. I'm too impatient. Co- co- company company yeah, had a different place and then you have quarterly results and then your yeah. stock exchange. And, and having the structure and the calmness of, of answering these things knowing it's plays out in another way you know that's mm. not my strength yeah. um, so so what are you what are you what is your reflections and, and thinking about uh, mental health in workplace for example uh, that that's our field uh, <laughs> so we know for example mental health costs companies the, the most and this is the largest man largest health problem we have well, it's so, the biggest in all our society yeah, so, and so, uh, the problem with businesses like society and whole yeah. we are we are treating once it's a problem, we're not doing it before it's a problem. Uh, early detection, exactly. And, 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 yeah. We're not so, designing for mental health. Mm. You know, that's why doctors quit their job as doctors and start going into, into designing spaces that will eliminate having issues. Yeah. That's why I see people who are like my personal trainer training me after an accident. He said, I asked him, why have you gone out of treatment room? He said, because most of the things I get in, I can mm. fix by being a PT. Yeah. I see. Um, so, so I feel like that's the same mm. with health. And yeah. that's why you have to design offices and... And um, I have to say, Kahoot is a big part of this. Yeah. Kids feeling mastery, yeah. being part of something. And uh, we designed for seeing each other eye contact. Higher, higher confidence, less, less uh, anxiety. And what, what, what do you think needs to happen uh, for, for businesses and others to recognize the importance of mental health? I would use an analogy for sports where I have to laugh of all these super athletes saying, I don't need mental coaches. Yet yeah. you look around the best ones, yeah. they're all doing, doing it for a long time. It's yeah. been their unique advantage. Yeah. Um, and it's all this grown in thing that is for weak people. And we have all this macho. Mm. And it's like, and I was like, yeah, you keep on believe that because we're going to do it and yeah. we're going to win. And honestly, that's what we brought into Kahoot. Mm. Like our winning strategy was inclusive strategy. Designing for the edge cases, learning from them mm. who normally feel more mental stress and so on because they don't fit in. Yeah. Designing for them and then actually using that as our advantage. Yeah. And I think that's what companies should do is understanding that if you see yourself as a top performing company, mm-hmm. you work on mental health. Designing for get the best out of a person so you don't talk about mental health where it's a problem. Yeah. Learning difficulties, yeah. but designing for mental health from a performance point of view. Yeah. Keeping, keeping it up there and really releasing potential from people. It's as much as sending people to an accounting course. You yeah. send them to a, to, a, to a course and also to understand themselves. Mm. We did it early on in We Are Human. We used a coach. Yeah. Same thing, but we yeah. couldn't afford her. She was a top, top coach yeah. in the world, but she was recommended us because our ability to bring the best out of brands. Mm. So we designed her brand, which is, was her business model. Yeah. And then she coached us and created the model. We took her all the way into Kahoot. Yeah. 
and we started learning each other. And, and me and Jamie, I would say, after 15 years, we don't, we don't argue. We disagree, but we don't argue. And we've developed, and we are, keep on doing these models to see, because you change as well. Mm. That's another thing you have to realize. You're not one thing. 25-year-old Johan's mental model is not the same as the 4-year-old one. <laughs> no. um, yeah. So we work with that, and we work to figure out our strengths and our weaknesses. Mm. Um, so if, if we had realized that a lot of people would feel, this is, I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist, <laughs> psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. but what I think is really funny is like most people who struggle just like myself is because yeah. I've been put in conditions I don't master. Mm -hmm. So when you have dyslexia and you get depressed, it's because you're forced to do something you can't do. If you're left-handed, forced to be right-handed, mm. you start stuttering. Yeah. You stop doing it. So it's like mm. all of the, uh, all the things we're treating and spending billions on, it's just mm. because you're forcing people into conditions that are not optimal for them. Mm. You get back pain, you get head pain, yeah. you get anxieties, mm. and then you're realizing that you can design from the front and you'll get a much more of a, you know, you don't get the cost of having to treat right. it, yeah. and you get a probably a 20 to 25% higher performing mm. person, yeah. and you get diversity into the, mm. you start treating each other not homogeneously, you start seeing everyone's advantages, so you're getting a kaleidoscope decision process. Yeah. So I mean, for me, it's like, it's one of the reasons I showed up here because yeah. I believe mm. those who understand that they all of a sudden realize the biggest diversity discussion of society is mm. not gender and culture yeah. and so on. It's our neurodiversity, mm. and then understanding that that neurodiversity yeah. exposed to being a woman mm. uh, from Africa in Norway is a very unique thing. But it's mm. not that she's an African and so on. It's also that she has this neural profile, this personality mm. exposed to these, these obstacles has shaped a unique one. And you can't just take your token immigrant in a room saying, oh, now we have the immigration point of view. No, what's the diversity of that person from a mental perspective? Mm. How, uh, she, how she learns and how, how she develops. Exactly, how a new, like, how does mm. it, like me, how do you respond to crisis? How, mm. how do you design for someone like me uh, for your services, your business. Uh, and this is what we do in We Are Human Now, and this is kind of what led us to Kahoot. Yeah. It was a new diversity aspect, it was mm -hmm. inclusive design. And now we are human, we're designing new stuff. And actually, it might sound very abstract, but what we're designing for, if we're gonna do climate change and all these other things, we need to design so people experience truth, not being told the truth, mm -hmm. but we need to design so people experience a shared truth. Yeah. The truth comes through actually shared experiences. Mm -hmm. And the same for mental health. Yeah realizing uh, that mental what it is we have to go to design for it so people are, are kind of are recognizing it mm -hmm. I, I, on, do, I genuinely believe that we need to design so people recognize and that what we did for Kahoot we have people to recognize how important it is to see each other's eyes mm -hmm. to see the other person succeeding yeah. that when you're in together that's one of the most powerful things and I think like companies are very bad at this stuff yeah. uh, designing for performance understanding humans mm -hmm. uh, yeah Johan, it's been a great pleasure to have you here today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well as, as me. Uh, yeah, and if you notice, I've, you know, I put the coin on and I'll, I'll talk forever. <laughs> okay, that's great. Thank you very much and have a, have a wonderful day. Thank you.